0: The Vancouver Canucks are known as a gravy, or, pardon me, a gravy, a, goal, a goalie <laughs> graveyard. <laughs> They're not known for gravy. Know. They are a goalie graveyard. That's what I meant to say. Bunch and of uh... hello, welcome to Hat Trick. Jordan dollar Coltman here, alongside Braden dollar Coltman, as always, and we are joined by our good friend Elliot Tanti. Elliot, how are you doing? Happy Valentine's Day, maybe happy. Family day is also in order because this will be our family day. How you doing? Happy weekend, yeah, long great. weekend.
1: Doing great. So nice to be back with you two, and to
2: be back on the show. I'm I'm excited to get
1: going.
0: Braden, how you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm rubbing my beard. People can't see it, but we've been talking about our playoff beards. Even though we're not even near the playoffs yet.
0: Playoffs. Playoffs. Um. Okay, cool. Well, let's get right to it. This week, we're going to, we've got a couple fun topics. Um, obviously, like I said, it's Valentine's day. We're going to do a little special edition of hats off for you and uh, we'll get right to it. Topic one today, uh, big news out of the state of Pennsylvania, brand new regime in charge of the Pittsburgh penguins. Obviously um, they, they needed to find some new front office staff after um Jim Rutherford retired uh, somewhat abruptly. I think that was a surprise to everyone in the Pittsburgh organization. Um, he'd actually only been there a few years, but he's an older gentleman, and I think there were some family things. And you know what? I, with COVID, it's, nothing really surprises me anymore. People have to do what's best for their families. But it did surprise the Penguins. They went on a little bit of a abbreviated hunt for a new GM, and it turned out that they actually needed two people instead of one to replace him because they needed a president of hockey operations and a general manager. They hired Brian Burke right off of the set of Hockey Night in Canada and Ron Hextall from just down the highway in Philadelphia. Uh, Obviously, that's an interesting storyline in and of its own, but um, big changes there. Let's get right to it. What were your first impressions, Elliot, when you heard that Brian Burke was back in the game? Uh, somewhat
1: surprised. You know, I don't know that he's ever really made it or indicated that he was interested in getting back into hockey management. I mean, maybe that. Maybe he just sees TV as sort of a rest point for new opportunities. Um, initial thoughts. Well, what a great situation to be walking into. At least at first appearance, with you know a team that has Sidney <laughs> Crosby and getting Malkin on it. Um, but I, I, I'm interested in your guys' perspective on this because it seems as though really quickly off the bat. Brian Burke has essentially said, yes, this is a win now team. We're going to be using this group and we're going to be moving forward. The goal is to win a Stanley Cup right now. And I guess given where Malkin and Crosby are in their careers, you know, that somewhat makes sense. But I wonder if, if, if it's maybe not as obvious as it appears to be to everyone else. Maybe there is an opportunity here to move one or both of those assets out and sort of change the dynamic of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You know, given... This change in leadership and change in organization—that really—that strikes me as a really interesting question. And I think we've all sort of blown by it and just accepted that they're in a win now mode. But I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I think, given you know the abrupt uh, departure uh, of Rutherford, uh, this was likely you know the best they were going to do it with an abbreviated search. You have someone that's at least done the job and can do it. You're not bringing someone new in or gambling like both these guys have experience in these types of roles. Um, so on the surface, you know, those are sort of my initial thoughts on this, but, uh, this whole situation with Pittsburgh has just been
0: very weird for me. Brady.
2: Yeah. I mean, when you look at, uh, the high caliber, um, executives out there, Brian Burke's one of the top guys you think of, uh, definitely off the, off the beaten path when it comes to, uh, who's available per se. But I think that, uh, I think the mentality that the win now, uh, that he and, and Hextall are, are definitely the perfect guys for the job.
0: Well, it's interesting. Like you say, uh, that is somewhat off the beaten path, but I would also say, you know, Brian Burke has been at the head of a few teams that have had, let's call it like, I don't know. Um, a patchwork quilt of success, right? Some In some situations, he did quite well. He did get the Vancouver Canucks sort of off and going on a decade where they would finally find success after he left. Um, he rebuilt the Toronto Maple Leafs from sort of a bottom dweller to a middle-of-table playoff contending team, but not so much a championship-level team. And, of course, he was sort of more in an advisory role with Calgary. But you can argue Calgary also improved under his, his leadership there. And, of course, how could you forget he fleeced Kevin Lowe, got Chris Pronger, and won a Stanley Cup with the Anaheim Ducks. I think it's really going to be a big question about how Ron Hextall fits in here because Ron Hextall, again, built the Philadelphia Flyers into a good hockey team, but not a great hockey team. And together, they're also a very interesting and let's say very grumpy combination. So I think that'll be interesting (laughs) to see how it plays out. Brash. I think the, for me, the big question mark is Ron Hextall, and I don't know how this is going to play. Like Elliot said, I think their plan right now is to sit Pat and let it play out for the shortened season. I think every team at this point is is kind of a little – uh we're uh, like wary of doing anything rash because they i mean 52 games is just such a short period of time if you can get into the playoffs it it could be a bit of a crapshoot we don't even know what the playoffs are going to look like whether they have to bubble or or anything like that so yeah i think in the short term they're just going to feel it out look at their do their talent assessment and evaluation and we're really not going to see their fingerprints on this team until the draft or maybe even after the expansion draft and into next season Are we all convinced and is it for sure
1: that this is a long-term thing? Like that's the other thing for me. Is this a get you through a short period of time and then reevaluate from there? Or is this, is this a long-term thing?
0: What I would say, Elliot, is it, it seems to me like it, this is their plan for the next, I would say, four or five years at least, they have they have to have thought longer term about this because Brian Burke, for example, spoke on Saturday in his last appearance on Hockey Night in Canada about the fact that he was offered a job two years ago and turned it down because he was enjoying being an analyst. It's an easier job. It's a much less stressful job. You know, he can be with his family. He's an older guy. I think he really looked at this as an opportunity to get back in the game in a competitive way. And I, I would argue probably Ron Hextall's in the same place. These are not young guys looking for, their, you know, their first jobs in the NHL. These are guys who take this are going to be taking this really seriously legacy wise. And so I do think that they're looking at this as we want to build towards a Stanley cup in the next five years.
2: Yeah. My inclination would be the same there. I mean, Pittsburgh has been a playoff playoff team perennially for the last, however many years that Sidney Crosby not going to been there. And, uh, As long as Crosby and Malkin are at the head of that ship, I I think that these two guys will be there as well.
1: Well, you have to assume that that was part of the hiring conversation, you know? Like someone said like, okay, so what's your vision? Mario walked in that room and said, what's your vision? And they presumably said, we're a win now team. And then here's my idea about how we transition out. You'd you'd think that that conversation would have been had, but if it hasn't, then maybe that's why I get the sense, maybe this is a transitional group.
0: Topic two this week is brought to us by Busy Bee Vegan. Are you feeling hungry? Busy Bee Vegan is a plant-based meal prep service offering pre-made, delicious, and healthy plant-based meals to the greater Toronto area. Whether you're curious about plant-based vegan eating, looking to improve your overall health and wellness, or simply too busy to cook, Busy Bee is for you. Their plans are focused on eating clean without sacrificing taste and contributing to a healthy planet. They have made it super simple. Choose and order your meals from the multiple plans they offer, and they will deliver your meals in environmentally friendly compostable containers right to your door. You can find them on Instagram at Busy Bee Vegan Meals or on Facebook at Busy bee Vegan. Go check out a small local business in Toronto and save the hassle of COVID grocery shopping and cooking. Let the Busy Bees feed you buzz-worthy meals. Okay, topic two today um, is an interesting story that's going to take us just a little bit away from the the game on the ice right now. It's another sort of... Um, One of those swirling controversies that seems to be following us around this year, Mark Cuban and the Dallas Mavericks of the NBA announced that their intention was to stop playing the national anthem before their home games this season Uh, It was a decision made both due to the lack of a crowd in the stadium. Uh, and also the large, larger reason, I, I, I think, is because of the ongoing controversies and conversations about protesting the anthems that was obviously kicked off by Colin Kaepernick. That's a topic we discussed on the earlier version of this show about three, four years ago now, almost five years ago, I think, that, that he first took the knee. Um, so obviously, you know, following the events of the summer, the protests surrounding... Um, George Floyd's murder, and also when the NHL restarted, when the NBA restarted, they, there were a lot of protests by by players, um, again, taking knees, trying to use the anthem as a an opportunity to um, make a political statement. Uh, the NHL's Dallas Stars, hearing this news from Mark Cuban, um, issued their own statement stating that they would, under no circumstances, be removing the Anthem from the beginning of their games, as they viewed it as an opportunity to honor the state of Texas and the country, they would continue to play the anthem. Um, I guess the big question to start with, um, is do we feel like, uh, it is time to reconsider the national anthem before NHL games and, and, and or, um, sports in general, uh, we'll go to Braden first. How, how do you feel about this, this story? Well, it's
2: fascinating when I think specifically around the current events, um, you know, I was doing a little bit of research on when, when did the national anthem actually start <clears throat> happening around, around sporting events? Uh, it took me back to the American civil war and, and, you know, inciting patriotism with um, the people. And, and, you know, and I think that that's a big thing that sports does. It brings people together, but like you, like you're talking about here, we're, we're now in a situation where, this is actually dividing people more than it is bringing people together. And so, I, I mean, I'm, I'm of the mindset that if this is doing more um, to hurt um, the, the people who are coming to see the game, the game itself, then I don't think that there is necessarily uh, a place for it. Um, I would further that by saying if we can continue to see the anthem Performed in ways like we did in 2018 at the NBA All-Star Game um, by Fergie and the other horrendous renditions of the national anthem, then there's absolutely no place for it.
0: Elliot,
1: yeah, it's sort of an interesting, it's an interesting piece. You know, I, I it's of all the things I choose to care about, anthems before games is one that I've just decided not to spend a lot of time on. I, I understand why people are passionate about it and feel strongly about it. Personally, I don't care either way. Uh, I did feel as though I'm a bit confused by Cubans comments, particularly around the idea that there's controversy associated with the national anthem and then therefore that's why we didn't do it, because isn't not playing the anthem doesn't that take away the ability for players to show disinterest during an event as well too or, or show use it as a public statement piece so you know I, I that doesn't impact my thing how i feel but i think it's important to note that that wasn't really thought through mm. <laughs> in that statement and 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 i want to i want to note that um the other thing but i think what's more important is is you know who do these national anthems serve there was a time when the majority of people playing hockey were you know canadian and american and it sort of made sense that those are the two anthems that were being played aside from the part but that that's where the league existed but you look at rosters now and the diversity of individuals that play for teams work for teams or in front offices that's a lot of that has changed and i don't you know i don't think that it's 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 truly um it doesn't represent the entire groups of these teams and these organizations and these leagues and so uh, you know in my mind It doesn't, it it doesn't, I I, I don't care a lot about it, but I'm not, I don't, doesn't, none of this really makes sense to me. It doesn't make sense to me to be playing anthems. It doesn't make sense for me for them to be taking away. It's this weird thing. Um, The one, the last thing I'll say, and before I hand it off to Jordan, is I'm not surprised at Dallas Stars' response. I'm not surprised that cocky commentators' responses. There is no, league more conservative on these issues than the nhl i mean the nhl is so stuck in the mud and it's a group of it's it continues to be run by a group of individuals who have these sort of old ways that are locked in that you know don't allow you to wear the number 98 for no reason whatsoever and 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 that sort of that sort of thinking i think you know i'm just i'm not surprised at the nhl's response to this let me just add that The, the league is is so risk adverse totally
0: um, I, I guess I would lead with, you know, I'll be the first to admit that I have in the past been very um, uh, moved and 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 um, patriotic, proud, yeah, patriotic, proud of of hearing the national anthem played at hockey games, especially when you're in the building. I've always found it to be a very oh, totally. sort of collective experience that, that can be very powerful, especially in those playoff games. We all remember, you know, Paul Loria lifting that mic for the first time and having, you know. 20,000 people sing it right back at them. And and there's something very powerful about that. We've all had those experiences before games where let's say the, the speaker system goes out or the microphone doesn't work. And you know, the American fans start singing the Canadian Anthem or vice versa, just to sort of, it's a collective experience. I think that part of it needs to be put on the side, you know, um, that, that there's a different conversation about whether or not you, you find it to be a, um, a, you know, an emotional piece of theater, which is what it really is. It It, it is a patriotic, uh, you know, presentation designed for a very specific reason. I think that it has more and more become a dinosaur and, a, and an old fashioned type of thing. Now, there isn't, there is no reason to suggest that there isn't a space for that. You know, we all still enjoy standing up and you know, singing "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" at the seventh inning of Major League Baseball games, or oh yeah, there's P. many Caroline, songs, in baseball, whatever it is. There's tradition, right? However, the 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 piece of it that I think is most important right now is to recognize that there is a there be, just in the fact that it is of itself a political act because it is a patriotic um, song. There is politics attached to it. Um, it has obviously become a space for political activism, political protest. And I think what has devolved in the big conversation since the time we very we, we very first talked about Colin Kaepernick and it is that it has been weaponized like many other um, situations of protest or political activism. It has become weaponized by one side and become so much more of an issue than I think it really is. I don't think the majority of people who go to these games would really in the in the big scheme of things feel like they were shortchanged if the anthem wasn't played? I don't think anyone p- tuning in at seven o'clock for a hockey game that's not going to start for twenty minutes because they're going to do the, the the anthems is really going to be upset about it. Do I think in the short term there are a lot of people who have emotional Uh, attachments to it for a lot of different reasons yeah of course they do they're going to be upset about it the truth is the people who are protesting the anthems also have severe and or pardon me serious and very sincere uh emotions attached to their protest and i think that that is where the space needs to exist i would argue i think that's what mark cuban is trying to recognize is that if there are majority of his players feel like the anthem is what they are protesting then maybe the anthem shouldn't be there i don't think that's the case i think they, they the anthem isn't the issue it's it's what we've allowed the Anthem to become that is the issue. I would also just say really quickly, I know we've gone over time, but uh, I think it's really interesting. Like Elliot said, it doesn't surprise him that the Dallas stars jumped in with a statement. It doesn't surprise me either, but it, it kind of confuses me a little bit because it feels like an unnecessary thing to do.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It, Nobody it asked. It feels like they're you.
0: inserting them into a, a, like a, like a wedge issue that they would have been able to sk- like skate, literally skate, By Scott free no there was no question that they were or weren't going to do this they don't have to take their cues off of the dallas you know mavericks there's no reason to other than they were making a political statement of their own which is this is where we line up on this issue just in case anybody was worried it it just felt very clumsy
1: i you know i i think i see it as a bit of competitive marketplace jousting uh, you know, if there's anyone that was going to be super upset at the Dallas Mavericks, man, hey, here's another winter sport you might want to come check out. And you know what? We respect anthems in our league. That kind of thing. That's what totally it seemed, it felt like. To no, that, I side, think that's true. Note, the yeah. job of anthem singer has gone by the wayside. You know how, like, when you mentioned Paul Lorio, I just brought me back so many memories of being an Edmonton Oilers fan. But this rotating circle, I mean, I guess the Oilers have kind of started out now they got this one guy coming in. But, but part of this is, I think, there was an attachment to those people as well too yeah. and gone by the wayside well, I if that's had an impact too
2: yeah and they used to be like uh sponsored like uh certain political parties would be paying for certain acts to perform the, the mm-hmm. national anthem stuff like that too well, but, well and there's also i really mean it's funny with dallas mavericks that it went 16 games before anybody even exactly. noticed yeah
0: totally <laughs> Totally. And until Mark Cuban made a point of saying it, like, "Hey, guys, haven't you yeah. paid any attention?" But that's the point. Yeah. I think no, not oh, all. No,
2: I it, mean nobody's been there.
0: I, I mean, let's throw the timer out on this one. This is a fun topic to dig into. But the truth is, the the it's the same kind of issue we're having in Edmonton with the football team and the naming situation. Where if you if you just do something, if you just change something, sometimes you're gonna be surprised how many people do not care. But when you make a point of changing something or make a really big deal out of here's the list of names or these are the options and we want fan opinions on, should we, shouldn't we do the anthem? Guess what? The people who have strong opinions are going to be the loudest voices on both sides, right? But the majority of people actually live in the middle. The people who, at the end of the day, they may, they they might have, they may they might miss it. They might, you know, might might have a little bit of an issue, but they're not really going to care. At the end of the day, if there's hockey being played or basketball being played in front of them, they don't care if they heard the anthem. Before. No one goes home at the end of the night and was like, "Wow, man, the anthem was great." Nobody cares. At the end of the day, also, is there any other private business anywhere in the world that is res- like that is treated somehow like it's a operation of the state where the, the anthem has to be played before their event? Like, we don't do this, national else, guard. Yeah. right? This is a private company, the NHL, or a private company, the NBA. All of these teams are private, they can do whatever the hell they want, but the, the league mandating that's just something weird about the whole thing when you actually break it down brass tacks.
2: Yeah, it is, it is completely weird, it is obscure. They should start singing another song. That's, they don't even yeah, play the, the
0: national anthems. They don't even play the national anthems at the Olympics every game. They play it at the end when one team wins, when a national team wins. It's just like, right. it's so strange. You know what I mean? When you actually think about what it is. Anyway, I'm sure we're going to get lots of feedback, uh, positive and negative on that. That's topic two. We'll leave it there. Hey, do you or someone you know own a small business? Are you looking to grow or to reach new customers? Hey, why not let us help? Hatrick is looking for unique brands, businesses, and products to advertise on our show. You can find out how we can help spread the word about your business by contacting us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Okay, topic three uh, this week we're going to do a special edition of Valentine's Day slash Family Day. Hats off! So, who are who's your Valentine, Elliot? Who are you tipping your hat to this week?
1: My Valentine, who I'm tipping my hat to, it's just it's just the the remarkable confidence of one to Rask to. Um, uh, not pay attention or know the score of the game in which he, I don't know if you guys saw this video this week uh it had to caress leave the net uh for the extra attacker in a game in which his team had already tied it up and <laughs> uh that for me was um I mean I guess you could blame that on on you know they they, they didn't get they didn't get a preseason guys and you know you, you <laughs> season where you really work out your capacity to know where the score clock is and be inve- invested and involved in, in the hockey game and so you know you know it's probably a simple mistake one that we can blame on not having a preseason. but uh yeah my tip my my hat's off my hat goes off this week to duke uh boston Bruins goaltender and uh that's fantastic
2: i hope he does it again
0: <laughs> all right brady who are you tipping your hat to who's your valentine
2: all right, my Valentine. Uh this week, uh I'm I'm tipping my uh my heart out to um 21-year-old 10th overall pick by the Edmonton Oilers, Evan Bouchard, who's made the club now. He is uh he's proven that he can put up points in the bigs. He is now on the left side, which uh hopefully he can stay on a line with uh, with the likes of Ethan Bear coming back. But uh, my my hats, my hat and heart are out to Evan Bouchard, who uh, who's looking like he's going to be the next Paul Coffey for the Evan Snow Oilers.
0: Wow, that is some very uh, bold predictions. But Braden is always up for a bold prediction.
2: Yeah, Braden, I really uh, hate when you
0: do that. <laughs> he's sort of like, I'm a, not gonna like stop a hex. A hex on whoever he does it to. <laughs>
2: I'm a fan, you guys. I'm an Oilers fan. You have to sell it all. You gotta, you gotta go all in or or well, nothing at all. And I'd rather not go nothing at all because sitting at home just waiting for the next Oilers game every day.
1: Yeah, I'm excited about that. But I, I was excited about Evan Bouchard. But now after that bold prediction, he's going to get traded to Pittsburgh Penguins. Whoa, whoa. yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get him off your, get him off your fantasy teams right now, everybody. Braden's just put the. Uh... The jinx. Pick on. Up. All right. Here's, here's my, uh, my Valentine and my tip of my cap. Um, the Vancouver Canucks are known as a gravy, or, pardon me, a gravy, a goal, a goalie <laughs> graveyard. They're not known for wow. gravy. They are a goalie graveyard. That's what I meant to say.
2: Bunch and uh,
0: we have seen many, a good goalie come into Vancouver and be pummeled by the fans and, uh, and then turn tail and run away. Braden Holtby is, He's what, like 15 games into being a Canuck. Um, He's frustrated. He's upset. He's not having a great time on a team that's struggling. Um, And he didn't, uh, you know, he he didn't hold back. He spoke uh, rather candidly, a little surprisingly candidly, uh, in a press conference. He said, and I quote, I don't think this is the time to sugarcoat anything. I think it's time to look at ourselves in the mirror and really find how we can be better and how we can take responsibility for the past and learn from that and move forward. Now, what I want to tip my hat to is not the fact that he very eloquently articulated exactly how the Canucks are playing, but that he actually showed some emotion. And I think that it it, it says a lot that we have already mentioned today how conservative hockey is and how conservative players are, uh, that the management is just the sports culture in general is often very buttoned down and protective. but i think that there's something to be acknowledged and like i do sincerely tip my hat to Braden holt but he also posted a rather long sort of defense after people were like holy you just like railed on his team dumped on his team he posted a long instagram post sort of defending his 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 words and he said i don't know why it's the some pardon me i quote I, I don't know why it's some kind of taboo to speak your mind or stand up for what you believe in obviously there is always divides on sport in sports uh, To social issues, we want to be educated. You want to make sure that you know what you're talking about. Sometimes you just have to speak from the heart, and that's all I was doing. Things that happen on the ice stay on the ice. Things that happen in the dressing room stay in the dressing room. But my emotions are something I'm happy to share. And I think that that was like, wouldn't we all like a little more honesty from our hockey players and our we we as fans know when it's not going well. I would just like once in a while for them to acknowledge, yeah, we played like shit tonight. Tip my cap to Braden Holtby.
1: Yeah, he didn't even say anything that was that was egregious. That was that egregious, you know. I that baffles me. But that's a great, that's a great choice, Jordan.
0: I like that he at least came back and defended it because so many guys have been like, yeah, you know, I shouldn't have said that. Or I mean, all the time we have guys making fun or getting angry at, uh you know, uh, John Tortorella for showing emotion. But like, God help us if we couldn't see a little bit more from some other people. I think fans also like fans would be so much more forgiving of players when they do screw up and stuff if we felt like they were more human they're not robots these this isn't a video game simulation these are real human beings who have emotion and frustration and anger and sometimes they just don't play well for a lot of different reasons and you know i I appreciate when he's frustrated he shared that so yeah i tip my hat to brayden holpe uh and i tip my hat to both of you thank you for joining uh, me tonight on valentine's day special sunday night edition um it's been a lot of fun Thanks, Jordan. <laughs> I was hoping for more of an ending there, but. back. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, all right, cool. Great. So have a great uh, family day tomorrow. Stay safe out there, everybody. Um, uh, wear a mask and socially distance and, and all of that. And we will talk to you again in about a week. This is Hattrick. Hatrick is a member of the Ordinary Podcasting Network. It's produced every week by Jordan Diller-Coltman and Braden Diller-Coltman and follow us on Instagram Twitter and Facebook thanks for listening
2: yeah 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 I got all flustered when Elliot said that I hexed them <laughs> I don't want to mess just, with people's juju.